Hey there. My name is Corinne O'Flynn, and you're listening to the Calm Entrepreneur Podcast. I am a USA Today bestselling author, nonprofit executive, and organizing nerd with over 20 years' experience running my own small businesses. I teach entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and small business owners like you how to organize your business, find more time, and deepen your alignment practice to experience more calm and confidence every single day. If you're looking for that intersection between practical business advice and spiritual goodness, then you're in the right place. So sit back, relax, and let's dive into this week's episode of the Calm Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome, welcome to the Calm Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Corinne O'Flynn, and this is episode 13. So this week on the podcast, I wanted to talk about good and bad and those labels that we give to things and releasing our hold on outcomes. So what is good? What is bad? How can we be sure? Does it matter? I'd like to make the argument that it really doesn't matter and that we shouldn't be so quick to assign a label of good or bad to any situation. But I know that that is not as easy as it sounds. So I'm not even going to try to pretend that I'm sitting here on my high horse telling you, no, nothing is good. Nothing is bad. I'm not. But it's a place to aspire to, I think, and mindfully approach it. It's possible to get there. And I think it's worth doing because the benefits outweigh the hardship a thousandfold. So the concepts of good and bad are deeply ingrained in our society and in our culture. We tend to view events and situations as either negative or positive based on our own experiences, our own beliefs, and the beliefs of those whose opinion we value. But when it comes to things that happen to us, whether they're good or bad is often a matter of subjective interpretation, right? What one person might consider to be a positive experience, another person might view as a negative. For example, getting a promotion at work. That might be seen as a good thing by one person, but to somebody else, it might mean more stress, longer hours. And conversely, losing a job might be viewed as a negative experience by one person, but to another, it might be the catalyst that provides the opportunity for a fresh start that they've been waiting for. How many times have you heard someone talk about something happening to them and that you instantly think, oh my goodness, that's terrible? only to have that person say that it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm not here to brush off tragedies or awful things that happen in the world, right? The world is not an easy or a just place, but we can't control everything that happens. We can only control how we respond. And this is part of that. It's how we react and it's what we do with ourselves as a result of those things. And I can share one story of my own and something that I experienced uh, with my husband. And it, it illustrates this. And I'll give you a heads up before I get into this story. It, it, it's going to talk about death for a moment, um, but I won't go into hairy details. Just it is surrounding the death. Um, years ago, my husband and I had a daughter. Her name was Rowan, and she died when she was a baby. And there's nothing about this that seemed good, especially in the moment. And I could never describe that time in our lives as anything other than dark. But as a result of this loss, we became so much closer. And in time, we were fortunate enough to have future children. And because of our loss, 
our view of parenting and what we wanted that to look like changed. Our priorities changed. We were sure that we wanted me to be a stay-at-home parent to our children, and Mike decided that he didn't want to travel so much when they were younger. Did that come with a career impact for him and for me? Yeah. Were those impacts negative? Or were they positive? Who can say? We can't. Was the benefit to our living children negative or positive? Fast forward a few years, and I've started a nonprofit providing peer support to other parents whose children have died. And in the years since, our organization has touched the lives of thousands of families who would otherwise not have had that support. Is that impact positive or is it negative? Do the positive aspects change the way we look at our loss? Can they? Should they? Fast forward a few more years, and we've built a memorial park in my town where hundreds of families gather a couple of times a year for memorial events and connection and community. Is that impact good or bad? Does that good or bad impact change the way we look at our loss? Of course, all of these are rhetorical questions, but they do provoke that thought, right? My point in sharing all of this is to say that we never really know where we are headed. We never can know if something that happens to us is good or bad. And I think that it's possible in the moment to withhold that judgment. And while we can grieve losses and we can celebrate wins, we should also hold space for whatever else is next. Because sitting in good or sitting in bad, it isn't productive, right? It's basking or it's lamenting. It's the past. So instead, I feel like it's more true to say that the events of our lives don't actually have endpoints, right? For me and my husband, our loss happened 24 years ago this year. And the impact of it, the ripples from that single event are still causing things to happen today. And not just for our two lives. They impact our living children, our nonprofit community, our friends, my town, the new people who it will bring into our circle. It isn't like we could mark a point in time and add a period to the end of that sentence because it's ongoing. It's, it's ongoing forever beyond our lives and the ripples impact people that we will never even know about. And because it's still happening, it isn't really fair to put a box around any one thing, any one aspect of this entire experience so that we can call it good or bad because everything leads to everything else, right? And this goes beyond subjective truth. It's not enough to say that an event was good for me and bad for someone else, because I don't think we should be judging any of it in in that kind of a frame. There's an old parable about it, good and bad, that I wanted to share. And you might have heard it before, but I'm going to share it again, because it, it's a perfect illustration of what I'm talking about. And it's about the changing nature of luck. And this is from a book. Uh, well, my reading of it is from a book. This is uh, centuries old, or maybe even thousands of years old parable from, um, I don't know if it's from China or Japan, unfortunately, but it's from uh, The Religions of Man by Houston Smith. And it's about the farmer and his horse. It's the story of a farmer whose horse ran away. His neighbor commiserated only to be told, who knows what's good or bad. And it was true. 
for the next day the horse returned, bringing with it a drove of wild horses it had befriended. The neighbor reappeared in this time with congratulations for the windfall. He received the same response, who knows what's good or bad, from the farmer. And again, this proved true. For the next day, the farmer's son tried to mount one of the wild horses and he fell and broke his leg. More commiserations from the neighbor, which elicited the question, who knows what is good or what is bad? And for the fourth time, the farmer's point prevailed. For the following day, soldiers came by commandeering for the army, and the son was exempted because of his injury. And the page goes on, and it says, if this all sounds very much like Zen, it should, for Buddhism, processed through Taoism, became Zen. So what does this have to do with you and me and being entrepreneurs in the world today? Well, first, I'm going to get up on my calm entrepreneur soapbox, and I'm going to say that you are not a person living a life separate from your business. As entrepreneurs, it's not a thing. We can have office hours, right? We can turn off our computers, but we don't, we don't close the curtain. We are completely enmeshed and everything is part of everything else, right? You are a person with a life who also has a business. The two are connected because you are the one at the helm of it all. You're the hub. And I think it's time that we release this idea altogether because it's outdated and it's unrealistic. And as entrepreneurs living and working, we are served by looking at this life as a whole, right? And to go further to my point, I'll ask, is separating work and life good? Is it bad? Is integrating the two and approaching it as a whole good or bad? So back to the question of what does this have to do with you and me and being entrepreneurs in the world today? I think it has everything to do with everything. Every aspect of our lives could be improved if we release the hold we have on the outcomes and the need to judge things as negative or positive. Are there things that we do in our business and in our life that fail? Yes. Are there things that take right turns when we need them to go left? Yes. I'm not pretending that everything goes to plan, but... How can you know if that failure was a good thing or a bad thing? You can't. And that right turn that was meant to be a left, where is it leading? You can't know. And so you shouldn't judge it. I'll share another example. Actually, something that I just heard today. I'm in a coaching group and someone in my group shared a story about how their highest paying client left her. And in the moment, she was struggling. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? So much shame. How did this happen? How did I let this happen? This was one of her longtime, long-paying clients whose income she had grown to to rely on. And despite the fact that this client didn't respect her boundaries and was difficult in just about every single way, calling at all hours, demanding beyond the scope of the work, you know, et cetera, et cetera. A few lean months later, after losing this client, Another opportunity arrived, and because she no longer had that old client, she was she had the capacity to take on four new clients, which doubled her monthly income. Is this positive or is this negative? Does it change if I tell you that she's doubled her hours? Does it change if I tell you that she bought a larger home? Does it change if I tell you that she was able to hire someone to share the workload? But now, 
she has to handle all the admin that comes with having an employee. My point is twofold here. Number one is that there's no single moment in which you can really quantify what's good or bad in a situation. Every event leads to the next and then to the next in a cascade of happenings that would not have happened had the earlier event not happened. Right? So whether these things might be pleasant or unpleasant in the moment, judging them as good or bad is a waste of energy in a lot of ways, right? So what happens when we withhold that good-bad judgment? What if, instead of needing to label it as negative or positive, we decide instead to sit with it, and we decide that we're going to experience it, and we trust that we will get through it, even if it means we're going to go through a crucible and we are changed on the other side? Letting go of outcomes is a valuable practice. And it is exactly that. It is a practice. It is something that we have to cultivate and we have to work on. But we will improve our mental health. We will improve our relationships with other people. And our overall quality of life will improve. It involves accepting that you cannot control everything. And it also involves learning to detach from the outcomes in the world that impact you and the outcomes of your actions. In our society, we are often taught to focus on achieving specific outcomes, right? Getting good grades, getting a good job, finding the perfect partner. You know, and while it's important to have goals, becoming too attached to the outcomes causes stress, anxiety, stagnation, stuckness, and disappointment more often than not. But letting go of outcomes does not mean that we stop setting goals. It does not mean that we stop trying to improve things. Rather, it involves shifting our focus from the end result to the present moment instead, focusing on the process. And this allows you to enjoy the journey and appreciate all the small moments along the way. Several friends and I are doing an art workshop right now, and we've talked several times about creativity being about the process and not the product. And since all of us are creative in our work, my group has writers, artists, um, and a dancer, actually. It's something that we need to be mindful of because our art is also our work. And so releasing outcomes does not come naturally. But it's interesting to me. And I'd like to offer that up as an allegory for how we can approach our whole entire life. Process over product. Process over product. And that brings to mind uh, a book called The Practicing Mind by Thomas Stirner. Um, I'll have to put the link to the, to the title in the show notes. I wasn't intending to share that with you. I would have actually pulled that from my shelf and, and read some of it for you. Um, it's a wonderful short little book about process and how his push was about focus and about falling back in love with the work that we're doing. But it was process over product that led to this incredible breakthrough for him and for you once you read this book. So one of the benefits of letting go of outcomes is that it helps us become more resilient in the face of adversity, right? And I think we can all see how that's possible. When you're not overly attached to a specific outcome, you are better able to adapt to the unexpected changes and challenges and setbacks. And this can help you bounce back from a failure and move on with renewed determination, right? And this goes back to episode of episode one of this podcast, which is 13 weeks ago now, you guys. 
it's, it's the experimental mindset. It's, it's all about resilience. It's try, try again, right? Because we're not attached to the outcome. Letting go of outcomes can improve your relationships because when you're focused on an outcome, such as getting somebody like to like you or agreeing with your point of view or buying the thing that you're selling, when you focus on the outcome, you come across as needy or pushy. And letting go of the outcome allows you to be more present and more authentic in all of your interactions. And this has the outcome of deepening your connections with people and highlighting whether or not the alignment is there right? Saving us from needless, needless heart, heartache that could come down the road because we forced a match, right? Because we forced a connection that really wasn't meant to be for us. Letting go of outcomes can also help you become more mindful and present in your daily life. Because when you're not constantly worried about the future or holding on to and regretting the past, you can fully engage with the present moment and appreciate the magic and the beauty of life as it unfolds. And I know that that sounds really Pollyanna, but it's just so true. I can't, I can't, I can't even articulate that more strongly. When you let go of outcomes, you can fully engage with the present moment and appreciate the magic and the beauty of life as it unfolds. It's easier said than done. And it requires practice and patience, as well as a willingness to embrace uncertainty and really, really release control. So, okay, thanks a lot, Corinne. How do we get there, right? It's, it's, a, it's a practice, right? And so some of the ways that you can cultivate this mindset are practicing mindfulness meditation which can help you become more present and aware of your thoughts and emotions in the moment. And I promised in last week's episode that I was going to do a podcast on meditation, and I still intend to do that. Um, but it, it became a rabbit hole. There's just so much. There's so much for meditation for all of us. And I really would like to do it, uh, do it good honor and do it a good service in making sure that I present it in a way that makes you want to embrace it if you don't already. Um, because it's, it's just, it's magic. It's where the magic happens, you guys. It's where we shift. And as I mentioned a moment ago, you can engage in activities for their own sake rather than for the outcome. So practicing mindfulness meditation, right, brings you present. It's process, process over product. In, in our life, not just in our business. But it's also, it allows you to engage in activities for their own sake rather than for the outcome, like painting a picture just for the joy of painting or immersing yourself in love of your work as you put together your next proposal or that next online course. Another way that you can shift your thinking around this is by practicing gratitude. Now, gratitude is one of those things. I remember I have a funny story. I was on a podcast years ago with uh, a bunch of book bloggers and we were talking about uh, a book that I had written with a partner of mine and we were just doing like those rapid fire questions about different things. And um, she asked, one of the hosts asked a question about like, you know, how we, what is our like go-to thing? And the answer was meant to be lighthearted and funny, but I kind of totally could not get there. And I, went into this like dissertation about how important it is to have gratitude. And 
when I was making my notes for this episode, I thought of it and I was like, oh my goodness, I should, I should re-listen to that because I apologized after going on my little, you know, aside on gratitude and how it's just so important because I don't think that anybody was prepared for it. And, you know, and I was like, wow, I'm such a Debbie Downer because I was talking about how, you know, like gratitude is, is, is where I come from in just about every moment, truly. And, and it's because of all the things that I've experienced, right? It is one of those things that, that you choose. You have to choose it, you know, because the alternative is a bummer and the alternative isn't productive and the alternative isn't, isn't expansive, right? And I think that that's the thing that for me, I strive toward. I want, I want the things that are more expansive. I want the things that are bringing more life into my life. So all the juicy goodness, I think it is on the path of gratitude. It's the single most important thing we can have, right? And of course, you know, gratitude is about appreciating the present moment and the things that we already have rather than striving for more and striving for more because that striving energy can so easily pull from a place of lack, which is the opposite of expansion, right? It's scarcity, it's smallness, it's contractive. Is that a word? Contractive? I don't know. I'm going to look it up. So letting go of outcomes can bring many, many benefits to your life and it can help you become more resilient. You can improve your relationships. You can cultivate mindfulness and presence in the now. And while it may take time and effort to get used to it, I think the rewards of making this a practice are so worthwhile. So the next time that you find yourself overly attached to a specific outcome, or jumping in to a situation with that good or bad judgment. First, I want you to just say, okay, yes, here I am. I see what I'm doing, and that means I am human. There's nothing wrong with you. Okay, I do it, you do it, we all do it. But I would like for us to take a step back and be aware in that moment of what we're doing. Take a deep breath and remind ourselves that the journey is just as important as the destination. And if you look back over the course of your life, I bet you have hundreds of examples of things that were not necessarily fabulous in the moment and you judged them as bad or some things that happened in the, in the past that you judged as good that ended up not being as expected, but brought you to where you came to next. And it ended up being that, that cliche blessing in disguise, right? So. If we are able to remind ourselves that this journey is just as important as the destination, we can challenge ourselves to withhold that judgment and accept that the story is still unfolding, right? Our story is still unfolding. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for listening. And please know that I am truly so grateful that you're here. Until next week. This is Corinne signing off. Remember, part of being a calm entrepreneur is developing the systems, habits, and know-how that lets you know that you are the one in the driver's seat. You get to choose how you run your business and you get to choose how you work. So you got this. 
I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Calm Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Corinne O'Flynn, and if this episode was valuable to you, please head on over and rate and review wherever you consume your podcasts. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. New episodes go out each week on Tuesdays, and I look forward to hanging with you again. This is Corinne signing off. Have an excellent day. Hello, hello, Corinne here. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast. If you like what I'm sharing here, then I have a special invitation for you. It's my brand new membership called Be Inward. We are growing a unique community that's redefining what it means to be a successful entrepreneur. It's a place where we constantly ask ourselves, what if we made well-being the goal? If you're tired of the constant hustle and feeling like you're never fully present in any aspect of your business, then check out Be Inward. It might be exactly what you've been searching for. I invite you to join a movement that embraces an integrated work and life philosophy where your business fuels your life and your life inspires your work. Take a whole new perspective on entrepreneurship that supports every aspect of your being, personal, professional, and spiritual. And this is the best part. Right now, you can become a founding member for just $33 a month. That's a little more than a dollar a day. As a founding member, you not only lock in the lowest rate this membership will ever be, but you'll also get a say in shaping what Be Inward becomes as it grows. Right now, Be Inward offers guided practices based on monthly themes, weekly cosmic weather reports, human design education and coaching, group healing EFT sessions, live topical Q&A and learning sessions, instant access to our growing learning library of self-paced courses, and weekly co-working and accountability. Help us shape our vision. There's much more coming every day. So get organized, find more time, learn a new system, and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs who are walking the same path with you. So join me and join Be Inward because who you be is all that matters. And you find out who you are by looking inward. Thank you.